Hello, welcome to this week's Jerek Show. I'm Javad Malik. On this week's action-packed episode, we have got Eric Crone losing his mind. We have got swatting going wrong, um, some ransomware stuff, some leaky S3 buckets, all the usual gambit with a hint of... Welcome to the Jerek Show, featuring your hosts, Javad Malik and Eric Crone. Timely topics, poorly presented. How you doing, Eric? I'm doing okay, but let's start with this. When I'm waving frantically at you from the green room, um, that might mean there's something wrong with your feed and you look like a pixelated little Minecraft character as we start the show. But it looks like it's better now, so hey, who knows what happened. But well, would I be here... paying attention to you? <laughs> it's like, is he, is he drowning or is he just waving at me? I think he's just waving at me. We'll, we'll get to him after the intro. Yeah. Oh, by the way, your house is on fire. Uh, glad we can do the <laughs> first. Um, anyways, yeah, you know, it is, uh, it's Friday, and we're, we're recording and, and releasing a little bit late this week because you were gallivanting around the countryside with your little crew um, doing a recording yesterday, correct? Did you have your own van? How, how did this work? So we, we hired out a warehouse, and it was all for for work-related stuff. It wasn't me gallivanting. You make it sound like uh, I'm part of the... the we were in the mystery machine, and I was with Scooby and the gang out there solving some crimes, which I wasn't. Uh, <laughs> okay, gotcha, gotcha. But you were, in fact, filming a new short, which you're not going to talk about. I get that, right? But but you were uh, you were running around there. I mean, you've been, you've been getting around a lot lately. You were in Scotland... Uh, recently, where you did some hiking on a mountain, um, <laughs> things like that, right? And, and now you're doing this. I mean, you're you're kind of back on the road a lot. No, one was a personal holiday, and this was just a very closed group in a in a warehouse, socially distanced. There's four of us doing doing a little shoot, so it's it's not a great deal of me out on the road. But, okay, uh, <laughs> fair yeah. enough. Well, you know, back out on the road is is definitely happening. I'm going to be doing Black Hat Defcon. Yeah, crazy, um, crazy person. Yeah, I'm gonna wear scuba gear. I'm just Honestly. gonna walk around with a tank and and you know wear scuba gear and not touch my face at all. Um, I should be well protected from the Delta variant with that. Um, but we uh, need a picture of you in scuba gear no. <laughs> just to see what you look like, and so then it, send send it to Black Hat in advance saying if you see this person, do not try and arrest him. Do not shoot him. He's he's a friendly. You know, it's kind of interesting with us starting to open up and the way we do travel and stuff. Um, I was I was excited about um, going to Black Hat, and now that things are really starting to take a turn here in the U.S. side, at least um, for the worse. Again, imagine that you know we're out running around doing our stuff, but now we've got the the Delta variant, which I believe uh, you guys over in the U.K. were kind enough to loan us, um, and a couple of other ones uh, running around here that are causing problems. Um, and I was talking to somebody yesterday who's actually, um, they know somebody who is fully vaccinated, got the Delta variant. Um, one of them is one shot into the Pfizer and got COVID and the other one has nothing and they got COVID too. So we're kind of running the spectrum of all the people there and it's still happening. So now um, if you see me at Black Hat or DEF CON, you're welcome to say hello from a distance. Uh, I'm going to try to do as much as I can outside, but it's going to be interesting to see. You remember, we, we started this idea after um, after RSA, and that was uh, that was uh, after the daily recrap 
that we did there. And that was right when it all kicked off, right? So yeah. a lot of B-roll footage of sanitizer bottles, hand sanitizer and stuff at all the little places. Um, and, and here we are now, what, 50-something episodes into things later. And it, it feels almost like we're starting to, to you know, lather, rinse, repeat. It does. It does. And, and, and it feels really strange that, you know, for an industry that we talk a lot about risk management and understanding risks and berating businesses for taking the wrong risk decision that you willingly are flying on a airplane in a closed environment with lots of other people who may or may not be vaccinated, who may or may not be carrying a variant to meet up in Vegas of all places with um, thousands of other people in a closed venue who may or may not be vaccinated, who may not be carrying a variant. So therefore, from this point onwards, forever, anytime you 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 give an opinion, I will have to say your opinion is invalid because you are absolutely rubbish at risk management. You know, in all fairness, um, Vegas has been a hot spot for disease for a lot of years now. This is nothing new, just a little different kind of disease. Um, but yeah, you know, you got a good point. People are coming in from all around the world. So I, I am... I'm actually a little bit more nervous than I was when we first started this. Like I said, things were kind of like rolling back and it wasn't a big deal and and all that. And uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. So again, anyone going over to Black Hat DEF CON, say hello. I might even be running around doing some interviews there, maybe from a distance. Um, I'll have to get like a broom or something and tape a microphone to the end of it. And we'll, we'll do it that way again. But anyways, look for that. We may be doing some stuff out there uh, during the week. You know, honestly, if you're going to do interviews, do them as Eric Crone. Do not use the Jarrett Show brand name because you're going to be a super spreader out there by doing this. And everyone's going to want to sue the Jarrett Show for it. And I don't want to be handling any of that in your after your demise. So uh, <laughs> I'll be my own little uh, germ sprinkler out there. I yeah. Yeah. All right. So and let's get to stories today. What do you say? Speaking of untimely demises, we've got stock on, on a bit of a downer. I read this on Krebs on Security. I saw it on Twitter a few days earlier, but um, Twitter IDs or Instagram handles, they, they are big business. Uh, and often if you've got a desirable name, say like you were one of the first people on Twitter and you secured a really cool, um, you know, three letter um, name or something that's unique, then um, people would offer to maybe buy it from you, especially if it's a brand that wants it, or they would, um, you know, try and beg, plead, borrow, or use some underhand tactics to try and like get it off you. Now, um, this happened, This, this uh, a gentleman uh, by the name of Mark Herring uh, had the uh, Twitter ID Tennessee. And uh, over the years, as, as, you, as you'd imagine, there was lots of people wanting the handle Tennessee. Probably those who lived in Tennessee, people who have supported the football team, or I don't know. Or uh, anyway, um, he he's always like, no, I love it, it's mine. Last um, April, May, June, uh, some people asked him for it, and he was like, no. And then they started to get a bit nasty. So first they started to figure out who he, where he lived and where his family lived, and they started sending stuff to his house, so like pizzas with like payment on delivery kind of thing. So they were being inundated with those kinds of requests, and that was a problem. And ultimately, it ended up with uh, him being swatted and uh, police turned up, like SWAT turned up, surrounded his house. He came out with his hands up. Uh, unfortunately, he suffered a heart attack and died as a result. Um, 
there were two perpetrators. I read this on another story. Um, one was a 18 year old Tennessee man, and the other was a minor who lived in the UK somewhere, who's not can't be named, can't be extradited because he's a minor. But the 18 year old, I think the 18 year old was 17 at the time or something, and they waited until they were 18 and before they charged him. But anyway, he's got a, a five year prison sentence, apparently, according to the story. So it it just it's a terribly sad story, and um, you know a, a completely needless, uh, needless death. So, so the but, whole point of this though was to get his name, not because he had put up anything controversial or was talking crap or any of that kind of stuff. It was strictly because he had the the handle at Tennessee. That's right. That's oh, right. that's crazy. That is absolutely crazy. I mean, it's. It blows my mind just how, I don't know, how stupid people can be these days. And, you know, swatting is one of these things that we've we've certainly seen um, going on for a while. It's kind of ironic this is on Krebs' page. You know, it's probably a reason why it's on Krebs' page. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that that's one of those, like, just underhandedly, dastardly kind of things that can go on. Now, in all fairness, I send you garbage from Amazon on occasion, which reminds me we're probably overdue for something like that. <laughs> uh, the surprise Amazon package. Uh but, uh, you, you know, that's that's one thing. Sending COD food, you know, cash on delivery, that screws the company, that screws the driver. That's not cool. Um, and, you know, swatting people, though, this is this was a heart attack, but it's really easy for somebody to get shot over something like this or worse. You yeah, know, this isn't a game. This isn't a joke. This isn't even just being annoying. This is uh, this is some pretty serious stuff. And, and we need to we need to jump on this stuff whenever we see it or hear people talking about it and just shut it down quickly. Yeah, exactly. There's some real lives at, at stake here. And and the problem is because there's, there's that disconnect between their actions and the outcomes, you know, they don't feel or see the consequences until something tragic happens. I mean, if I show up at Black Hat in a scuba tank and, uh, and gear walking the floor, I'm liable to get a police presence called. Um, but that's legitimate, right? This is completely over the top and and just stupid. It's really sad. You know, here's this guy, 60 years old, just doing his thing. And uh, man, man, I'm disgusted in our world this morning. I need more coffee. Yes. You you down coffee. I'll pull up the next news story. Kasaya obtains universal, universal decryptor for Revel ransomware victims. Uh, is it true? Apparently, so so it's one of these things where, uh, and first of all, you said Revel. I say Revel. I don't know what it's supposed to be. I know it's based on okay. Resident Evil, which is, you know, why. Anyways, um, this is one of those things where basically um, it, it, little is known about how this decrypt, decryptor got to them. But basically, it'll decrypt all of the people that were um, subject to this attack that uh, that rolled out. Uh, through the Kaseya stuff. Now, what's interesting about this is, like I said, um, we're not real sure where it came from. Um, we're not sure if they paid for it, if Kaseya paid for it. Um, you know, the, the ransomware group, the Revil or Revel ransomware group has gone quiet since hmm. this happened. And there are some people saying that perhaps, and we even joked about this a little bit uh, before, that perhaps the pressure that the, the U.S. president has put on Russia has gotten Russia to turn around and tell these people to knock it off for a little bit and possibly even work towards procuring this, this key 
to to help there, um, to show that they're doing something. I don't even know what the political side of that is, but that's one theory that's going on here. Now, again, Kaseya won't necessarily say um, where they got it uh, specifically, what they paid for it, um, but it seems to be working and seems to be doing that. And I think we talked about this before, but it kind of put a lot of people in a bad spot when when the uh, the group went quiet. You know, yeah. so even those that paid for these keys, the group went quiet. Then there was no uh, tech support, which I assume there still isn't. But yeah, at least now you have a, a universal decryptor, and I'm sure Kaseya is helping with folks recover from this. Um, but it's pretty interesting how this how this kind of uh, kind of happened here. Yeah. Well, what's really interesting though is that Kaseya didn't reveal how they obtained it or who who they. It was just like a trusted third party which makes it sound like maybe they, they have a mole on the inside or some sort of like in fed or, or whatever, but it's, you know, it's not very reassuring in, in terms of transparency and, and trust in the, in the industry. I know in, in the past, there's been lots of conspiracy theory going, that have been gone on with antivirus vendors and all that kind of stuff. So um, hopefully in time, I hope that more details will emerge and um, it will become clear as to what happened and how it happened or how they obtained the universal decryptor. Yeah, you know, well, the Kaseya thing wasn't nearly as, as to scale as, you know, the uh, uh, some of the other stuff that we've seen here recently, um, especially, you know, like the solar wind stuff and, and those. It, it's significant in that, you know, it impacted a lot of uh, medium-sized businesses. It impacted a lot of groups like that. My hopes are that those organizations that got hit by this stuff um, figure out why it was so destructive to them. Like, why couldn't they get their backups? What happened there? Was it the fault of the MSPs? Um, I think there's a lot to be learned from MSPs, MSSPs, and even on the you know on the far end with the uh, the individual organizations. Now, I don't think there's any anyone to point blame at with here. I think that a lot of things broke down because we all know if it's a matter of getting your data back, if that's the part that's that's hurting you you've done something wrong in your disaster recovery plan, one way or another, whether it's trusting the MSP to handle your backups 100% um, or them not putting it off site or something like that. Uh, we know that that there's a problem with your, your disaster recovery plan there. So I'm hoping that we learn from this and you know people do better. That's that's all we can hope for. for, for What's your like disaster that. recovery plan when you, when you get the Delta variant uh, um, black hat? Um, you know, I'm going to hole up in some nice suite somewhere. I'm basically going to go find the nice, the, you know what? I'll find the nicest Airbnb I can have, run around there and cough on everything. And then I'm going to be isolated to it for 10 days at least. And I'll just be living out there by the infinity pool. That's my plan. Excellent. Hackers reportedly demand $50 million from Saudi Aramco over data leak. Sadly, Aramco, they just can't seem to stay outside of, um, of, uh, the, uh, of the news. Sorry, my phone's yeah, ringing. No kidding. And, and clearly, this is the guy delivering that $50 million. Um, <laughs> it's in the bag in the front of the bike right there. Um, you know, clearly, yeah. he's, he's leaving the, uh, the headquarters there as he's about to do that. Um, yeah. Oops. <laughs> What's happened there? What have you see? Okay, this is what you get for for being. Uh, this is why we say timely topics poorly presented because Javad doesn't silence his phone, and now he's all like uh, confused with things going on. That's okay, folks. We'll just wait for you, Javad. No problem there. <laughs>
No, I think we were talking about this. Like, there's a Saudi yeah. Aramco like facility because that's a Saudi Aramco like logo in the background on the on the on that silo wherever it is. But what this guy on the cycle has, what does he have to do with the, the story or with Saudi Aramco? He's not even using the product. It's it's like he should be in a gas guzzler. I mean, you might as well put him in a, on a camel in the desert and with the Saudi Aramco logo in the background if you if you really want to reinforce stereotypes, BBC. Yeah, I mean, you know, well, they pulled this from Getty Images, so obviously this is a stock photo, but but who thought, hey, let's get a picture of a guy riding a bike past this giant oil thing, you know? Yeah. And my only thoughts are they're trying to show clean energy is what, what the actual stock photo is about. Um, but yeah, way to go there, BBC. Way to, way to pick the, the greatest one that uh, represents the story well in the light of yeah. the world. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this was, uh, you know, this was uh, $50 million um, being extorted from them. Um, this was, you know, a, a data breach sort of thing. Um, you know, the, the, these pipelines, these oil and energy companies, and, you know, especially like on the oil side, people think they're, they're made of money and some of them are, you know, some of the smaller refineries and stuff, not necessarily, but something like this, they're, they got a lot of money here. Now, what got me on here is they ended up with a terabyte of data. They believe from one of their contractors. And so to me, this raises a whole lot of questions about, or, or at least it's thought provoking in the angle about how do we handle contractors? How do we handle the, the access to our data that we give contractors? Um, and what security things are in place to, to protect this data? So here you have a contractor they think leaked a terabyte of data without noticing, right? So that tells me DLP is probably not in place, no controls for that. Um, who knows what happened here, but one way or another, some some security controls seriously failed on the info security side. What do you think? You know, I really hate the statement they released. In an email statement, Aramco told the BBC that it recently became aware of the indirect release of a limited amount of company data, which is held by third-party contractors. You cannot get more Teflon than that. You know, it's nothing sticking here. It's a limited amount of data. It was indirectly, it was through a third party. No, it's your data that you've collected. It's your responsibility. It was only Own a up. terabyte. Yeah. Man up, woman up, person up, you know, yeah. and, and take responsibility for, for, for your, and too many companies do this. They say, oh, it's a contractor. It was a... Uh, you know, a, a third party vendor, it was the intern, you know, we, we hear all these excuses all the time. And it, it doesn't help anyone's cause. It's why don't you just say that, you know, obviously, at the end of the day, it's the the, the person at fault is, is a criminal who's taken the data, but you need to admit where you it's your failings in security, right, and take accountability of, of what you're doing and how you're going to fix it. And, and this is what this is what just annoys me. It's weasel wordedness, you know. It's why I don't like you most of the time, Eric. <laughs> well, this is why we, we, you and I, both agree. We we try to bring light to good responses as much as possible, yeah. and say kudos to them for actually saying the right thing and being transparent, even if there's lot not a lot of information available. We really try to point out the organizations that come out and and tell people what's going on because. Nothing's worse and nothing erodes trust more than some, as you said, Teflon statement like that, um, where in fact, you know, it doesn't tell you anything. And again, obviously something has failed in the InfoSec side of things here where you're securing that data uh, somewhere along the line. And ultimately, 
the the top end company just like in you know contracting like building a house the contractor the general contractor is responsible for its subs and this same sort of thing needs to happen here ultimately they're responsible they gave someone else access to the data one way or another and it it wasn't secured indeed new mosaic malware well <laughs> targets software pirates via online ads yeah this uh i saw this and you know having just been in the bahamas for a week uh, you know the whole pirate thing just kind of came to mind i don't know if you know this or not quick little bit of info the bahamas was once a pirate haven that was run by pirates um under a code actually it, it was pretty interesting side story there but anyways i just really don't care that was ah, everyone's beautiful. joint reaction. <laughs> no, um, this is uh, this mosaic loader is interesting. It's one of these things, and I just wanted to bring it up because, you know, crack software and stuff like that is still a thing. Pirated software, software cracks, things like that, where uh, even if you download the legitimate trial version, you know, you, you do things like that. That's still a big thing, and for the most part. You got to be real careful with these things. Um, a lot of these people are not going in and reverse engineering software to figure out how to crack it, how to break it um, for the lulls, right? So in this case, what they're doing is, you know, they're dropping other stuff on there. And the interesting part about this, I was looking into this a little bit, and you know, a lot of times the 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 info files or whatever will tell you things like, oh, expect to see your antivirus. Um, pop up on this. And it's the nature of it being a software crack, right? So people see that pop up, they go, okay, I expected it, say, okay. And in the mm -hmm. meantime, it's like, oh, this is a horrible thing, you know? It's, <laughs> um, and, and they just accept it and boom, now they have malware on their machines. In this case, it was called Mosaic Loader because it, it takes some pretty complex ways to try to obfuscate itself from uh, from this third part or for the, from the after uh, antivirus. See, I need more coffee, man antivirus mm -hmm. and stuff, right? Um, it does code execution out of order. It does all this kind of stuff um, just to kind of get past the endpoint protection flares. Um, it, it's it's interesting, something to be aware of, folks. If you know people that are like, hey, but I can get the Photoshop for free, um, this is the kind of stuff they'll be facing. Uh, Javad, what do you think? When you pirate software, how does how does this work for you? No, it's... Um, no, I, I, I think this is, again one of the reasons why so many organizations are just moving to this software as a service model, uh, subscription model, where it's it, it's really annoying um, because you end up paying far more for, for software. I mean, Adobe, we, we spoke about Adobe uh, not too long ago and their ridiculous pricing models, but there are, you know, there, there are plenty of um, open source or free versions, alternatives available. They might not be as feature rich as what you're looking for but you know how many people actually use if, if you really need all those features then you're probably in an industry where you can afford to pay for that so um yeah it's it's um it's a game like what you know yeah it's, it's like buying a rolex of a guy down at dan dodgy alley and then later being like oh my god this was fake <laughs> yeah <laughs> what a shocker yeah no, you know you bring up the software um model there that subscription model and it's something i loathe you know, and we did, we talked about this with Adobe the other day and or, or a while back. And, and the other day I was actually looking at, um, I, I wanted Photoshop for something to, to try some things out. And they have, of course, you know, the free trial, blah, 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 blah. And then in all the, uh, 
the the fine print, it was like, and if you don't, you know, if you don't end this, uh, it'll auto auto activate and charge you. And I was like, oh, you know what? Wouldn't be too bad if I if I find out I don't like it in a couple of months. And then I was like, oh, but wait. And as you read further, it's like, and you're on a one year subscription period end yeah. of story. And when you actually read it, it was like, well, you can pay for the year or you can pay by the month, but you're not actually, all it is, is breaking up your payment. It's not that you're on a monthly plan. You are still on an annual plan, whether you like it or not. Um, it, it just, the way that they advertise that and roll that out there is just kind of twitchy around the edges, you know? It is. It and, is. And I don't it, mind paying for, for something if I'm going to try it for a month or two and decide I don't like it, I'm good. But it's a bit like, um, it's a dark pattern. And uh, if, if you're not aware of dark patterns, you can follow them on Twitter. There's a website about it as well. And it it it, it, um, it talks about all these uh, user design choices, user interface choices that people put in that force you or, or trick you into clicking the wrong option or taking or, or committing to something for a lot longer. So, you know, sometimes it will default to the yes or the no, or, or the button will be a bigger, bigger size than the other. So automatically, you know, a lot of people don't pay attention. They assume that it's yes, 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 complete, but it could be no, 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 complete. And, you know, all, all these sorts of things. Um, there, there's a big need for better design principles to be implemented because companies are getting really, really sneaky. So are they doing like double negatives, like the CISSP used to be known yeah. for, right? <laughs> like, um, are, are we taking the CISSP every time we agree to a license agreement now? Is that is that what this is boiling down to us? Is that, is that what the cert really prepped us for? Is this time in the world, right? <laughs> they, were, they were visionaries way ahead of their time. Yep, yep. Here's the key. Here's the distractors. Let's see how they line up. Yeah. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. I, actually, speaking of the um, I, ISC squared, last week I, I mentioned this to you um, when we spoke a few days ago that there's actually a learning portal on ISC squared. It's yeah. called learn.ic2.org is the URL. Uh, let, let, let's see. Uh, so, so this is the thing. You, you, you log in with your normal uh, credentials and, and what have you. But uh, th there's a ton of actual free uh, learning resources on there that you can, uh, let, let's, uh, oh, no, I, bloody, okay, uh, I'm not going to go through the whole login process of security, he's getting in the way of my demo right now, but there's lots of really good resources on there, um, they're, they're free courses, they're short courses, I mean, you get um, CPEs for doing them, which is one reason, but actually it's a really useful resource and I was really pleasantly surprised to see it. I wasn't aware of it. They must have sent emails about it before, but their emails are horrendous. They're all written in legal jargon that I cannot understand their emails other than the heading which says that you owe us money or here's a slate and for the board and should I vote? Is it informing me? Do I need to take action? I, I, I never know. So I ignore most of the emails. But this one I, I saw and I clicked and I followed it through and it took me to a course and uh, this whole learning portal. And there's loads of courses on there like, you know, security, uh, AI, learning AI for cybersecurity or ransomware. And, uh, you know, th there's a ton of great resources. So if, if anyone's gone through it in, in anger or, you know, just just gone through a few of them, share your experiences uh i went through the one course and i thought it was it was really well put together 
you know, it, it breaks it breaks my heart that you mention all these things about, you know, you just ignore the emails now. They're in. I tried so hard to fix some of that when I was there, man. I really, really did. Um, and it's nice to see that they've they've put out this portal. Um, I do like it. I actually I like this, and it's nice to see them doing some things for the membership there. Um, what prompted it? I don't know. Uh, maybe it was a lapse in bad judgment that allowed them to do something good. I, I just don't know. Um, you know, but hopefully they'll they'll keep on this role and improve what they're giving to the members. You know, we've we've increased the AMFs for an awful lot of people. Um, for some with multiple, you know, uh, certs, it kind of went down a little bit even. Um, but for the most part, it's increased for people. So it's nice to see them actually doing something with it. Um, so hopefully, hopefully they can do better about getting the word out there with that as well. So I know, you know, I did a, I did a webinar for them. I think it was last week that, that actually went pretty well. I think it was a, a decent webinar and I'm glad to see them continuing to put on some decent stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I mean, their communication and um, emails leave a lot to be desired. I know our, our colleague James, he done a webinar for them recently. It was on chapters and the email, they sent an email blaster and he said, oh, they sent an email promoting my webinar. And I looked at the webinar, uh, the email that came through and it literally just said, attend this webinar and you'll get two CPEs. Yeah. There was nothing selling me about the value of the webinar. Beyond, it just had the title in there, but there's nothing selling me the value of the webinar, why I should attend. And if you're only attracting people for CPEs, you're, you're going to get that level of engagement. You're going to have someone yeah. put it on their laptop on the side, run it. At the end, they'll get the cert or whatever you and job done. So, you know, I think it, there's still stuff that can be improved. Well, and unfortunately, they're, they're so risk averse there. At least they were when I was there. Um, and hopefully things are changing, but as I understand it, none, some of that hasn't changed. But they're so risk averse. Um, they're so afraid to to almost humanize things um, because you know you're always going to get pushback. We see that on Twitter all the time. No, no good deed goes unpunished, right? You say something nice about something, and somebody else has to pop in and go, but blah 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 blah, right? And so they try to stay clear of that, um, but they become so risk averse that it it doesn't feel human. Uh, like you said, it feels like, here's how you get your CPEs. Here's another one. Turn it on. Yay. Thanks for playing. And now we can turn around when somebody asks, what do I get out of it? Well, we give you these opportunities for CPEs. Yeah. That's, that's you know, you, you nailed it right there. I think that's one of the things that they can work on so much better is honestly humanizing uh, themselves as an organization. Absolutely. Absolutely. So... Last story of the day, an insure tech startup exposed thousands, thousands, I tell you, of sensitive insurance applications. Uh, and this is, uh, I believe, our old favorite, <laughs> an exposed S3 bucket, uh, nothing else. Yeah, somebody made the bucket public. <laughs> And uh, oh. oops a daisy, 711,000 files. Uh, there were like 100,000 something applications. This is insurance stuff um, for lots of different types of insurance. You know, and you're talking about like medical stuff, pre-existing conditions. We're talking about just a plethora, a plethora of wonderful things here. Um, just being left out there because oops a daisy, somebody changed the default settings of an S3 bucket yet again. I mean, 
it's like if you go on Amazon's website, and, and like you said, but it's it's there in writing. It's like by default, all <laughs> S3 buckets are private. <laughs> I mean, you so have to you go have, out of your way to screw this up. You do. You have, yes, yes. Uh, and, and all, I mean, it's all the controls are there. And you can even do monitoring on it. it, it it's, it's, everything is, is available. Uh, you can have emails sent to you. you, can, you can, you've got the, the cloud trail logs. You have everything. Um, so I don't think there's any fault of um, Amazon's or AWS's no. in this at all. No. It's it's purely down to human error, not having the right training, not having controls in place to check or validate something before they've gone live. It's it's the whole gambit. It's multiple uh, series of failures. Um, but well, yeah, you know, and, and it it's kind of like the equivalent of of doing a ch mod seven 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 in linux where you just everybody gets everything do whatever the hell you want with this thing right because why oh it works look the thing runs now right yeah. it's like giving permissions uh, to everyone for everything in a windows box um oh look it works now that it works we don't want to touch it we don't want to mess with it right we never figured out why it, it works but uh, we'll just leave this thing public yeah. on the internet put the any <laughs> any rule in the firewall that solves exactly. <laughs> always every time that'll cure everything right no, it, it, it's mind-blowing to me how often we see this, and we talk it all the time. It's human error. And over and over and over again, we see this human error thing. And I know when we talk about human error, we don't always just talk about phishing or you know yeah. whatever. We're talking about credentials, how they deal with that. We're talking about stuff like this. There's policies and, and processes that apparently didn't apply here. Now, in my opinion, anytime you have something that's like, internet facing like this or accessible in the cloud on the internet, um, your policies need to have some sort of like a two person um, security here. In other words, you got somebody checking other people's work when they're doing things to this because it's that significant. It's that big a deal, right? So two person integrity needs to happen when it comes to stuff like this. And unfortunately, a lot of organizations don't do that. They don't see that it's worth it or they don't even think about it. Um, but how many times have we done stories on unsecure S3 bucket, unsecure S3 bucket? Oh, this was made public to the internet. I mean, you just want to pull your hair out at some point. Yeah. I mean, you've been doing a lot of that recently, haven't you? Uh, yeah, mostly up here. <laughs> Thanks for pointing that out. Appreciate that. Yeah. Hey, yeah, yeah. Turn yeah, around, pal. Yeah, turn around. <laughs> Let's see back here on you. Huh? <laughs> I just do the... Ah. <laughs> Both what of us are wearing the hats pretty soon, man. Yeah, what kind of hair puller are you? <laughs> yeah, mine is a lot from oh that right there. That's that's my theory. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> oh goodness. So is that all our stories? Did we did we I, actually get through all our stories already? I think we got through all of our stories. That's quite amazing. Unless there's anything else you want to add to to it. So you know, I I want to discuss. We know he's got nothing really important to say. So thanks for joining us. Until next week, uh, you are watching The Jerry Show. Stay secure, my friends.